turn to Genesis chapter number 41. Amen. I must be doing something right. Amen. Some of you wives would just want to whop your husband when he walked by. Amen. And uh, it's good to be in the household. Let me, let me say this. We, I thank God for her. We've been married 41 years. And um, uh, she's, she's real. What that testimony you heard, she is that. She's that way at home. She's that way here. She's real. I find a lot of times Christians are, well, I don't want to use the word hypocritical, maybe a little fake, but on a show one way for others to see, but behind closed doors are quite something different. And um, I'll not be that way. We ought to be real. And um, she's real. I always tell she's a lot better Christian than I am. Amen. And I sure thank God for that. Got your Bible. Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 41. Let's all stand together. We're just going to read a couple verses here. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. I'm just going to not read but one more verse because I want you to see something and I'm going to to trust you. How, how many of you will tonight when you go home, you will read this? 57 verses here. We'll read these 57 verses when you get home. How many would you? Just give me a show of hands. You'll, you'll go home and you'll read them. Okay, now God might give you itch. If you don't, you'll be scratching all week if you don't read that. And uh, so we're not going to read all of them. I want you to read verse number 9. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my thoughts this day. Heavenly Father, again, we so need... Holy Spirit of God, I so desire your will to be done. You'll promote Jesus, and Jesus saves. Holy Spirit of God, would you lead us now tonight to say what we need to say. You know, there's, there's a life here, there's a heart here that needs what the blessed Word of God has to give tonight. May that heart be open, ready. May it be like an old dry sponge to soak up everything you have for them tonight. But not only get it, but apply it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. For the last few weeks, we have began this series on the life of Joseph. God meant it for good. We have looked at this question, do you know why you were born? We have looked at the question, do you know who you are? Last week, we looked at the question, are you willing to wait for God. The greatest uh, thing about chapter number 40 was Joseph is in prison in verse 1 and he's still in prison and verse number 23. And uh, literally, literally, he's in that waiting mode. He's in that place. 
He can do nothing to change where he's at. And tonight I want to ask you another question. How big is your God? If you wanted to get technical about the matter, if you really wanted to get technical, the word is sovereignty. The truth of God's sovereignty. The word sovereignty means He is almighty. It encompasses, He's all-knowing, He is the mighty, holy God. And if there is a chapter in the Word of God that puts on display His sovereignty, His greatness, His bigness, if you will, it is... It is chapter number 41. So I ask you again, how big is your God? Um, I, I just want to share this testimony and it perhaps million worlds could not buy this. You can't buy this at Walmart. And my prayer, if you have children, one day you'd be privileged to hear the same. Uh, we was talking in Tammy had a pretty hard uh, day on Monday and um, uh, she was talking to us and she said, you know, everybody keeps coming up and telling us that they're so proud that, we, that we've not quit going to church and we've not quit doing, our, doing right. And she said, but daddy, we've got nowhere else to turn. We've got no one else. He's all we have. Because, Daddy, you can't fix this. No other person can fix this. And I'm sitting there thinking, Hallelujah! What a testimony. What she didn't know was she was telling me that she's been put in a position that she's got a pretty big God. Can I ask you a question? How big is your God? The Bible talks about His bigness. In Job 23, 13, He says, But He is in one mind, and who can turn Him? And what His soul desireth, even that He doeth. Job 42, 2 says, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. The psalmist said in Psalms 115.3, But our God is in heavens, in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. I just want you to know He's a big enough God to do what He wants to, when He wants to, where he wants to, and how he wants to. In Burlington, this revival that we are hearing about and has going on again this week, that revival started in um, Pastor Hobbs' church on Mother's Day. And it started with four women coming together and saying, Pastor, could we have a key to get in the church, we want to pray 
the week before Mother's Day that God would show up and do something great in our church. Four women. That's where it was birthed. And last count was that there's been over 6,000 people through that tent in just these days. And several, several hundred saved in the midst of it. And I, my prayer is that, that revival will break out this way. I'm wondering tonight what God would do for Solid Rock Baptist Church and for you and I tonight if we had a God we believed big enough to do it. So I ask the question again. How big is your God? Let me, let's, let's, let's put a te- let's test it a little bit. Did you come tonight worried? Fretting? Have you got a situation, a circumstance that you can't fix? Or something that you see on the horizon that's worrying you and fretting you? Then, can I ask you a question? Is your God big enough for that? I sometimes fear that for my own life, for my own self, to be very honest with you, I find myself so stubborn sometimes, Brother Joe, that God has to put me in circumstances I can't fix. Because I'm prone to try, give me a problem, get out of my way, I'll fix it or I'll take a hammer to it. Say amen, Matthew. If I can't fix it, we'll get a hammer. Amen. And I'll fix it where nobody can fix it. Sometimes, though, God puts me in a place that I can't fix. And I believe sometimes because of my stubbornness and hard-headedness at times, he, He has to do that because that's the only way He can display, wow, what a big God He really, really is. I believe He wants to be that big a God without all this other stuff. We find here in this story that Joseph's been in jail now for two years. And according to what I've read, there was not a peep from God in those two years. To my knowledge, God didn't send a word to encourage him. In that two years, God did nothing to let him know that he's doing something in the midst of that two years. The Bible did say, And the Lord was with him, but the Bible does not tell him in the end of two years. Hey, big man, stay, hang in there another six months. When two full years has come to pass, you'll leave out of here. Not one time did he do that. As a matter of fact, had you asked Joseph a month before he got out, he would have told you, hey man, how long are you in here for? He said, man, I'm, I'm a life, I'm a lifer in here. I'm, I'm here to stay. I'm telling you, I got falsely accused of, uh, 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 of raping Potiphar's wife and I didn't do it, but I'm in here and, I'm going to be, I, by the way, just let me tell you my story. I've been betrayed. I've been sold as a slave. I've been falsely accused. I've been thrown in prison. And then that uh, butler, I helped and, and interpreted a dream for him. He totally forgot me. 
So the truth of the matter is, he said, um, I, I'm just here. And God never showed him the end story. Now, I'm just be honest with you. Can we, we be human tonight? That's probably one of the hardest things I deal with is... I don't have a bit of problem uh, serving God. I love the Lord. I love serving Him. But you know what? I like Him to tell me the plan. Am I, am I alone? How many of you would just like the plan? Just give me the plan and I'll gladly do it. But the truth of the matter is, He just doesn't do that. And the reason he doesn't do that is because that's living by sight and not by faith. And the Bible says it is impossible, without faith it's impossible to please him, for we must believe that he is and reward them that diligently seek him. So when we start thinking about this bigness and greatness and the sovereignty of God, Nothing in this story makes sense up to this point. And by the way, a whole lot of life. Now, slap yourself and wake up. A whole lot of life is not going to make sense sometimes. Why does one man get cancer and the Lord takes him to heaven, but another man gets cancer and the Lord heals him? Why does one family face this and another family never does? Why does one family, everything they touch turns to gold and one family, everything turns to dirt? <laughs> I'm not sure I understand all those things. And many times, a lot of things just don't simply make sense. And most of the time, we don't get any clear answers to those kind of questions. One writer said this, God is doing 10,000 things in your life, but most are never aware of it. Joseph's experience is a case in point. He's about to discover these two years in prison were not wasted. I want to stop here and just help you this. No matter where you're at and what your life is made up of about, no matter what's going on, God is not in the business of wasting anything. Nothing at all. This chapter is 57 verses, as I said earlier. I'm going to give you an outline, and you can study it for yourself. You can, it's in the notes, I believe, if you want to get a copy of the notes. There's four things in this, in this. Verses 1 through 13, Pharaoh has two dreams. In verses 14 through 32, Joseph gave him the interpretation. In verses 33 through 36, Joseph gives him a plan. And then in verses 37 through 57, Pharaoh gave him a promotion. Literally, you could sum up this whole chapter here with dreams, interpretations, a plan, and a promotion. Now literally, that is the outline, the breakdown of that chapter. What I want you to see tonight, in the midst of that outline, and in the midst of all of that, I want you to see the bigness, the sovereignty, the bigness of God in those things that if you just read it, 
you would just totally miss him. There's seven of them I want you to see here tonight. Number one, God gave Pharaoh two dreams. One night, Pharaoh had two bizarre dreams. In the first dream, seven fat cows came up out of the Nile River. And immediately they were eaten by seven skinny, skinny, bony-looking cows. But in eating the fat cows, it didn't change the appearance of the skinny cows. And Pharaoh woke up and said, Man, wow, what a strange dream that was. Man, wow, strange. So he goes back, to, he gets him some, he gets him some blackberry cobbler and goes back to bed. By the way, that does work. Amen. I tried it last night. Second dream, he goes to bed and there's seven stalks, plump, fat stalks of corn coming out. And that, then suddenly, there's seven shriveled heads of corn that consume the seven fat years of corn. And he wakes up and he's so baffled and so troubled. Well, preacher, that, that just happened. Preacher, that's just coincident. We all have a dream. We all dream at times. But no, you don't dream like this dream. I love this. And it came to pass at the end of two full years. I want you to understand God is right on time with whatever He does. How many of you have heard this statement? If the Lord tarries, how many has ever heard that statement? I've made it myself. I want to be honest with you. The Lord's never tarried about anything. We use that in phrase, if he don't come in this. But the truth of the matter is, the Lord has never tarried and never will tarry. He'll show up exactly when he's going to. Amen. And so we find here this dream. Now, verse 8 tells us what happened. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. And he sent called for all the magicians of Egypt and the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Can I stop here and say this? The world doesn't have the answers for your problems and mine. Are you listening? The world has never had the answers for our problems and never will have the answers. Praise God, servant almighty God that's got the answers. Amen. Pharaoh's the mightiest man on the earth. But he was helpless to understand his own dream. The magicians couldn't figure it out. Cleo on TV couldn't figure it out. The soothsayers couldn't figure it out. Thus a crisis exposed the literal futility, the helplessness of the world in the things that matter the most. Help, please, please, please. Let's quit giving God status. Now, to listen to me, and I'm not, I'm not trying to upset you. If you're a Trump fan, then bless your heart. If you're a Hillary fan, 
Oh, Lord, help you. Anyway, eh, eh, what? what? Let, let's stop as God's people. Let's stop giving God's status to politicians, CNN, Fox News, the newspaper, people in this world. Let's stop giving them God's status. Because if you do, then fear will rule your life and not faith. And we find here now, it revealed the true condition of the human heart apart from God without divine revelation. Humans apart from God, without divine revelation, wisdom and power can never understand what God's doing in our lives. Can I just tell you, they're not going to ever understand you. Nothing you do makes sense. They've done seen your car in the parking lot. And people have drive by and say, why do those people come every Wednesday night to church and what good do they get out of it? Do you know why? Because they will never understand what God is doing. The first, the first step of God's sovereignty and His greatness was God gave Pharaoh two dreams. Number two, God reminded the butler, the cupbearer, about Joseph. At that precise moment, I was sitting here Sunday evening. We had an order of service. I was going to do the Faithfulness Award. I was going to have the youngest to sing the song. Then I was going to introduce the preacher to preach. And I'm, I'm set, and, and, and I, and I looked at, I knew it. It was all there. And, and I read it before the, when I, when I got done with the faith, I looked at it and then said, well, it's preaching time. That's how the preacher come on up. And, and it just, right on, when I want to sit down about halfway through the message, it, it don't, oh my gosh. I forgot the song. And then I said, Okay, Lord, you just didn't want the song sung before then. You wanted to sung after he got done. I want my life to so be that whatever God orders, in the order he does it, it'll be all right. God reminded the cupbearer about Joseph. There was a young man with, uh, there with us, a young, here's what the butler said. There was, there with us a young man, a Hebrew, servants of the captain of the guard, and we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams to each man according to his dream he did interpret. And it came to pass as he interpreted to us, so it was me he, he restored into my office, and him he hanged. Just at the right moment, God jogged his memory, and he remembered Joseph. Someone said, well, preacher, I just don't see God in that. I do. Had God, had he remembered, had he remembered two years earlier, he may have gotten set free 
And he may have not been here to interpret this king's dream. Not only would a nation been destroyed, but all of God's people would have been destroyed. See, we need to understand, there's nothing coincidental with God. God has never said, uh-oh, God's never said, wow, man, that caught me off God. Never has He done that. In every case, in every time, I, and I don't know this, I can't prove this, but I kind of tend to believe this. Years ago, I, I had a little um, Ford Tempo, it was a little red car, and um, I had went to pray, and uh, I was coming back, and the axle went out on that thing. I mean, it just went. And when the, when the axle goes on, it you, it don't pull. It won't do nothing. I mean, it won't take you nowhere. It just, it just stopped. And um, so I got out and, you know, uh, I was kicking the tires and, and calling it a few choice names. Nothing. I wasn't cussing like some of you, but I just, you know, calling it some names. Sorry, I give another piece of junk. Anyway, um, kicking the tires. And I'm just sitting there. And about that time... An ambulance goes by, and I'm thinking, hmm, what that ambulance is about. So a little bit, Darlene come to get me, and I had to hold it in. So I went on down through there, and down the road, maybe, maybe a mile was an accident. Now you say, preacher, you, you don't think I was, I don't know. But let me just say this, you don't know either. So I apologized to the car and to the Lord. And realize that God may have just had a protective hand on me all along. You see, when we start thinking about the chain of God's providence and God's sovereignty in this story, when we read it, we, we, we miss God in it. God gave the king two dreams. God reminded the, 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 the bottler, the cupbearer, about him. Now, his faithfulness, his faithfulness. Two years down the road, Joseph's faithfulness is going to be rewarded. He's going to remember. He's going to remember. Number three, God gave Joseph the interpretation of the dreams. Then Pharaoh sinned and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself. Let me just throw this out. And just, just so for your knowledge, if you're a Bible student, that's the reason his brothers never recognized him. Hebrews didn't shave. The Egyptians did. Hebrews never shaved. And so him being shaven, they would not have recognized him. Then it had been 13 years, so that was part of it too. Then Pharaoh sent called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. He shaved himself, changed his raiment, came unto Pharaoh. Here he is, an unknown Hebrew slave standing before the most mightiest man in the world. Who but God could do that? Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I've dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. 
I've heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And I want you to know something right here is during this time, Joseph's heart has not changed and Joseph's heart has not gotten hard. Listen to what he said. And Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, It is not in me God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Praise God for that. Joseph refused to take any credit. And he said the interpretation is good news and it's bad news. The good news is the seven fat cows and the seven fat ears of corn is seven years of plenty. He said the bad news is the seven skinny cows and the seven shriveled ears of corn is seven years of famine. And the famine's going to consume all the wealth of the plenty. And at the end of seven years, it's not going to look any different. He goes on to say, Now, king, and for that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, is because the thing is established by God, and God will surely, surely bring it to pass. Here's what he's saying. Hey, King Pharaoh, you need to take it serious. God's going to show up in the midst of this thing and exactly what, and it's coming in a hurry because he doubled up on the dream. He showed it to him twice. God tells you something one time, that's enough. If he tells you something twice, you need to perk up and listen. We see God giving him an interpretation. Number four, God gave Joseph a wise plan. Here is a Hebrew slave. Pharaoh knows him, don't even, he don't even know him at all. He's been in prison, we don't even know how many years. We know he's been in our two years, because he's forgotten for two years. And here's what he said. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. The word discreet has ideal of discerning. Uh, and someone that had a lot of wisdom. He said, you need somebody that can administer this thing. And, and he said, on the good years, the seven good years, take one-fifth of the corn and the wheat and the grain and store it in Egypt. And then when the seven years come, you can feed the nation and feed the people and they won't starve to death. As a matter of fact, Pharaoh, here's what you need today. You need to find a man who is gifted in administration. Now, I stop right there. God, when did you teach Joseph to be an administrator in Potiphar's house? He administrated everything in Potiphar's house. And God sent him to school. Who was in charge in the prison? And the, pri- and the guards put, every, put, put Joseph in charge of everything in the prison. See, he thought maybe that was wasted. He thought, I'm be very honest with you. I left uh, Morgan Division of Ethan Allen at the time. 
and went to work for Hickory Chair Company. And um, Hickory Chair Company was a very hard company to work for. Uh, every, every, every department run, every, every run it like its own business. You, I even had to pay for the air that come in my department, everything, lights, the whole, whole thing. And, and it was hard. It was a hard department to run, a hard, hard job. But you know what? When God moved me to there into pastoring, it has been amazing how much I've used what God allowed me to learn there. It's amazing. See, God said, gave Joseph a wise plan. Not only that, but notice this. God moved Pharaoh to choose Joseph. And Pharaoh said to his servant, Can we find such a one as this is? A man in whom the Spirit of God is? Wow. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy words all of my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. In one move, God took him from a prison of nothing to the second most powerful ruler in the land, second only to Pharaoh himself. As a matter of fact, if you weighed everything, in many ways Joseph was more influential than even Pharaoh was Himself, he controlled everything. Wow. How big is your God? You, you, don't, you don't understand, preacher. You, you don't understand. You, you might... Preacher, you just time out, preacher. You just don't understand my situation. I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too too this. It's too. It's gone too far. This is too much. And and this and this and this and this and this and this. You don't understand. It's a hopeless cause. I'm going to ask you again. How big is your God? Here was a man, a young man. Pharaoh's a pagan ruler. He's a lost man. He served idol gods. And there's no record he ever got saved. But isn't it amazing? He recognized God and Joseph. He recognized the spirit that Joseph had. He recognized something Joseph had. You that are here, look look at me. When, when are we going to? When are we going to stop making excuses for not believing God to be the big God that He is? See, some of you have been waiting six months. Can I remind you, Joseph waited two years. That's a killer 
for, in Steinsology, that can't kill me. But if it's two years, God's got me there for a purpose. God had him there for a purpose. See, we don't know all the details of the people that come through the prison house. We don't know all the situation, but we know this much. Then notice how Joseph was rewarded. He sealed the deal with Pharaoh with a very regal fashion. He gave Joseph his signet ring. Signet ring would have had, it would have been a, been a ring with a, with a signet on it, uh, much like a square or an oval. And, and what he would do, they would, they would take hot wax and, and he would stick that ring in it. And that ring, can, can I, let, me, let me help you understand. Here's what he gave Joseph. He gave Joseph the king's credit card. How many understands credit cards? How many wish you didn't understand credit cards? He gave him linen clothing, which was of high honor. He gave him a gold chain, which spoke of royal authority. He gave him a chariot for transportation, so he could go wherever he wished. He had the soldiers call out, Bow down! Joseph's coming through. And when Joseph passed by, they would bow down. He made him ruler over all of Egypt. He even gave him an Egyptian wife. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphonath. I cannot, I, I can't pronounce it. I didn't know it at one time. Zaphonath, Paniah, something like that. He gave him the wife Azaneth, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, and Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. I, I tend to think the wife come with the job. Amen. But anyway, Pharaoh wanted Joseph. Here's what Joseph, Pharaoh wanted. Joseph, he wanted Joseph to be a family man. Isn't that amazing? Now, all of this happened. He's 30 years old. 13 years earlier, he was tending sheep. And flocks for his brother. Now he's a prime minister of Egypt. How much did Joseph see in advance in any of these steps? None at all. How much of it happened by chance? None of it. Who was behind it all? God. I'm wondering tonight what's God behind in your affairs, in your life. We, we, you, know, you know where our family's been. You know what we went through. And one of the great mysteries and questions we're, we're, we're asking is, okay, Lord, what's, what, was the, what, what are you wanting us to see? What do you want us to learn? And I've told my children, I said, I want you to pray and ask God, God, help us, to, help us not to miss what we need to see and learn here. I, fully, I love this. We went to the conference uh, Brother Chapel's grandson was had, had a five-hour surgery on his lungs. The lung collapsed and all this stuff. And I love this. He come, he come on um, Thursday morning and preached, Wednesday morning and preached. And he said, now, and I'm talking about 6,000 preachers there. He said, we don't really know what God's doing here, but we're asking him to allow us to see. We don't want to miss what God's got for us. I love that. I love that. Tells me there's somebody willing to allow God right away. Number six, God brings the plenty 
and God brings the famine. It happened just like Joseph predicted. Seven years of plenty. They stored up one-fifth of all the grain and put in storage. And everybody still had plenty to eat. But then the seven years of famine came. And when all the land of Egypt was famished and the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, I love this, going to Joseph and what he says to you do. It happened just like Joseph said, God said it would. Then last of all, God gave Joseph two sons. There's a wonderful note of hope in this story. And the two sons tells us that it's about here that Joseph seen how big God was. I believe it is here Joseph recognized that God meant it for good. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save much people alive. Listen to what he said. And that Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Azaneth, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, bearing to him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God, said he, had made me to forget all my toil in all my father's house. And the name of the second called Ephraim. For God had caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Manasseh means forget. He said, God has made me to turn loose of my past. When he looked at that little boy, he said, I'm going to call him Manasseh because today God's going to let me turn loose of all my past. You'd be amazed at how many people are chained and captive to their past. Can't turn it loose. Can't forgive. Won't forgive. I'm going to tell you tonight, listen to me, listen to me. And you say, how can you prove it? Whenever there's an argument come, they come dragging it up and beat you to death with it. Can I help you? You'll never get anywhere until you forget Paul said, forgetting those things behind and reaching for those things ahead. You got to forget the past. Manasseh. And then God said, he had a second son. And when he saw that son, it means fruitful. Now don't miss this. Manasseh came before Ephraim came. You got to forget sometimes before God can make you fruitful. God forgive, God turn loose some things. And there's many things we take. Uh, I, I love this. When a man believes in the sovereignty and the greatness and the bigness of God, he can let go and move on. The first law of spiritual progress is three statements. I can't go back. I can't stay here. And I've got to move forward. I must Go forward. There's no going back for Joseph. No way to undo what his brothers had done, what Potiphar's wife had done. I've often wondered 
when he saw Miss Potiphar down after he become prime minister and she had to bow, I wonder what he said to her. I wonder what he did. I'm going to tell you what I think he did. I think he walked up to her, shook her hand, said, Miss Potiphar, how you doing? How you doing? I think it was good. To, I think he just forgot it. And we all go through those moments. We all go through those times. But let me just say this. The most miserable Christian. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you something. I'm, I'm going to give you something here worth you making a trip to church tonight. The great Christians in days gone by and the great Christians in the future are going to learn not to hang on to a bunch of garbage in their heart. If you do, it'll destroy you. Somebody wronged me. Somebody said this. Somebody said, you know what? There's always going to be somebody saying that. Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? John, the ba- John, uh, uh, John and, and, all, and Peter and all of them said, well, some says thou that you're this and some says you're that. But then Jesus said, but whom do ye say that I am? Because some will always have something to say. But what he says is what's important. And y'all turn that mess loose. I, my hair is too white tonight. And one of the reasons it is as white as it is I put too much time, too much effort on that kind of junk down to the ears. I would to God I'd learned it 20 years ago. I still might be blackheaded. Who knows? I can't change the past. But I can tell you this much. God is good. Amen. In Genesis chapter 40, Joseph is in prison and he looks like it's a dead end. But in, in, in Genesis 41, he's a prime minister of Egypt. Wow. So how big is your God? Is he big enough for your problems? Is he big enough for your future? Is he big enough for your pain? Is he big enough for your fears? Is he big enough for whatever you're facing? If he isn't, I'd like to introduce you to the God of this Bible tonight. I've just taken that one chapter, just one chapter display his sovereignty. I'd like for you to swap off your little God. You can leave it up here. We'll vacuum it up and get a hold of the God of this Bible. Because I'm going to tell you something. He's a big God. Let's all stand to our feet.